Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book in the doctor's opinion on page XXIX. We'll be reading and commenting on the second paragraph that begins, men have cried out to me and ends, you must help me. Today's readers, for the 12 steps, LCM, the 12 traditions, Joni Y, readers of the text, Susan S.H., Darlene H., and Vanessa G. Our newcomer greeter is Maria H., Second hour host is Ken W.H., and our announcements will be given by Kathy S. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, January the 16th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 21,041. That's 21041. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 20,042. That's 21042. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive eating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask LCM to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. I'm LCM from Pennsylvania, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, LCM. 
I will now ask Joni Y to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Joni Y, compulsive overreader from Connecticut. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal inventory depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Joni Y. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book in the chapter, The Doctor's Opinion, on page XXIX, the second paragraph that begins, Men Have Cried Out to Me, and ends, You Must Help Me, and comments will be on that one paragraph. And I will now ask Susan F.H. to please begin reading. Good morning. This is Susan F.H., and I'm a compulsive overeater. Today, men have cried out to me in sincere and despairing appeal. Doctor, I cannot go on like this. I have everything to live for. I must stop, but I cannot. You must help me. 
And I kind of wrote out a few things I thought I wanted to talk about, but the fact is I'm going into the next paragraph. This this little paragraph here is me. I've been to doctors hoping and praying for some magic pill. All that doctors could offer me was advice to stop doing that, stop eating so much. You know, um, many years ago, I did get diet pills, and I ate terribly, and I ended that weight loss stint with uh, gallbladder surgery. I damaged myself. I thought anything was worth the weight loss. The fact is, Everything is worth the relationship I've come to through this program. Um, I needed the help, but the real help I needed was the depth and weight of a sponsor who understood where I was at and could share her experience with the big book, her experience with this disease, me. Um, I don't uh, take away from doctors. We need them. But the fact is, for the spiritual malady, I needed the depth and weight of another compulsive overeater, someone who understood some of the things I understood. Because when I can identify in, that's when I'm truly in the fellowship. That's when I'm truly helpful to others. It's always amazing how this the suffering that I that I went through is one of my greatest assets because with it I can I can identify and I can be identified with by people that I might help. And I find the things that come out of my mouth not only can be helpful to others, this always shocks me, but it comes back to me. It's something I needed to repeat for myself. Um, it's an amazing journey, and I'm so grateful to be continuing on it. And I will pass with that. Thank you, Susan S.H., for getting us started. And although we value everyone's experience, we do ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. So if you've shared on Monday or Tuesday on any of the vision meetings we ask you to hold back this morning, who would like to comment on what was read? Katie G, Janet B, Janet C, Katie G, Christine D. I got you, Katie. Christine. Thank you. Christine D. Janet B. Okay. So what I have is Katie G, Janet B, Nancy C, Christine. Not sure about the last initial. Russ M. Anybody else? Kelly F. Kelly S. All right. Let's start with that group. Christina J. I got you, Christina. I didn't get the last initial. Um, Katie G., you're up, followed by Janet B. Sorry about that, Lisa. Good morning. Thank you for taking the meeting. This is Katie G., recovered in Boston. You know, I have been here, you know, I have been here um, in sincere, which means genuine, not hypocritical. If you'd put me on a lie detector, I would be sincere. I would be honest. It's not frothy emotional appeal. I was sitting there stuck, 
stuck in my misery, stuck in thinness, stuck, stuck, stuck. I couldn't, I couldn't change. And despairing means hopeless and desperate. And I did have everything to live for. I have children. I have a husband. I have dogs. But I also have no power. I have no choice. And I have no control around the food. It felt like I was stuck in cement. And I was terrified because of who I had become in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, that I was 17 pounds lighter than I am today. And I, I knew I must stop. Doctor said to me, you're going to die. I can't operate on you, Katie. You're going to die. And that didn't matter. And I think that the use of these musts are so interesting. So the first must means I must stop because I can't stop doing something I think is wrong or stupid. Like I never thought, oh, gee, when I grow up, I want to be an exercise bulimic and severely underweight and not functioning in my life. I certainly wanted the life I had, but I did not, did not want the life I was acting out on. And the second is you must help me, which is it's, it's so important that this has to happen. And I have to be honest, yesterday when it says the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple actions, like I was kind of wondering if Bill was joking because <laughs> it is so hard. It is so challenging to be in a place of cement and to be desperate, dying and doomed and not to be able to put whatever it is, whatever food or behavior down because I cannot put it down without God. And the only effort necessary means move, means move a muscle, means practice the willingness to bear discomfort. It means putting the behavior down. You know, I remember when I had to put down sugar-free gums. I remember saying to my sponsor, but what's going to happen when I don't have anything to put in my mouth? And she's like, God is going to enter in. And that is so true. And these steps have never been comfortable for me. So if you're doing the steps and you're uncomfortable, rock on. You're doing them right. Because I don't have to just have a little psychic change. I have to have an entire psychic change. And I'll wrap up with this. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes that were once the guiding force of my life have to be changed. And a whole new set of ideas, emotions, and attitudes will begin to dominate me if I do the work, if I put it down, and if I go to God. I'm so grateful to be one of you today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Janet B., you're up, followed by Nancy C. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B., Recovered Compulsive Eater in um, North Carolina. So this was me for so many years in Overeaters Anonymous. I went through about 50 different sponsors in my first six and a half years. I could, I never got 30 days in that time. I think I once got two weeks, but a lot of times I couldn't even make it to work without binging. And I would say, I have to stop, you know, help. And people would say about me to my face or behind my back, she's not willing, right? She, you know, she can't get the food down. She's not willing. But my problem was that I wasn't willing. My problem was I didn't have the power. And, you know, I think about if someone had cancer and went to the doctor and the doctor said, here's an MRI or whatever a scan that shows that you have cancer. Great. Now go make your cancer cells stop, multi stop multiplying. Of course the person couldn't do it because the problem wouldn't be lack of willingness. 
um, or lack of knowledge of what the problem was. The problem is lack of power. And so many times I talk to people and they say, and I say, are you willing to go to any lengths? Because that's what's required. And they say, no. And I say, okay, what are you not willing to do? And the person says, I'm not willing to put the food down. And then I'll say, really? Like if your fairy godmother came and waved a magic wand to remove the food obsession, would you tell her to go away? And they say, well, no, but obviously I'm not willing because I can't stop. And I say, no, 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 you've got it wrong. Willing to go to any lengths means willing to do the work so that God can come in and remove the food obsession. And I think about it like this. If I'm in a flood and the sheriffs are outside with their bullhorns saying, get to the roof so the helicopters can rescue you, it's my job to, I'll be really corny now, climb the 12 steps to get up to my roof so that the helicopters can rescue me. Let me never be so arrogant as to say I rescued myself because I didn't have the power to do that. I just climbed to the roof so that I could be rescued. And that's what our beautiful 12 steps are. They, we do that work so that God can rescue us by coming in, removing the food obsession. And that is the beautiful miracle of this program. And that's all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Janet B. And Nancy C., you're up, followed by Christina J. Hey, good morning, everyone. Lisa, thanks for hearing me. Nancy C., gratefully recovered this morning in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and really moved by this paragraph um, because it really, for me, is my gift of desperation. That, you know, this whole paragraph sums up my life of always going to somebody to fix me of whatever somebody else had I wanted if somebody else would just take care of me I would be okay and um having somebody have to take care of me never happened right somebody couldn't couldn't fix me I it it, it was beyond human um control but I kept trying and looking and going to doctors going to psychiatrists going to friends going to anyone to just be like them because if they if I got what they had I would be okay and I never really realized that I needed to go within that that power I didn't have the power that I had a um I had a sacred wound that's deep down inside of me that I needed to go in there for that solution and where did I get that I got that out of the gift of desperation and going, as it says in the paragraph before, through the 12 simple steps, through the simple suggestions um, made in this book. Was that easy? No, it wasn't. But once I realized that no one but something outside of myself could make me be a healthy, dynamic person that I am today, had to come from a power greater than me, and I had to relinquish all of it. So asking other people to help me, looking for that outside of me, I wasted so many years and I'm so grateful this book and each of you showed me to go within and find that sacred wound and fill it with a God love that let me live today happy, joyous, and free and be able to help other people live happy, joyous, and free as they find that recovery. So this really for me is a turning point in this book of the just desperation that nobody can do it it has to come from God it has to come from the help of other people and be led through this book 
through the breadcrumbs that take me to recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy C. And Christina J., you're up, followed by Russ M. Morning again. It's Christina J. from the state of North Carolina. This brings me back to when I was in um, Nashville area in 2011. We had a big tour coming up in Europe, and I was in complete emotional chaos because I didn't even have a band to go yet. Anyway, I won't go into the details, but I was, my eating addiction was in full-blown force because I didn't know how to handle what was going on. I was scared to death that I wouldn't get this together. Um, Many other things that have driven me to uh, food, but this was one of the biggest. You know, this was my proving ground. I was going to go out and sing to the world, which I had done for many years at that point, but now I was going to Europe, baby. And um, so I was eating like crazy. And I went to a doctor in Nashville, and I cried out just like this, despairing appeal. I can't do this. There's something wrong with my brain. I have everything to live for. Look what's coming up for me. I have to stop, but I can't. You must help me. And he said, yes, I agree. You have a brain chemistry issue. We have this pill that's going to help you, right? So, and he had great sympathy for me, you know. He just had no idea about any kind of psychic change or any kind of, you know, spiritual program he didn't know i guess he didn't know about oaa whatever so uh he sent me on my way with my pills and then he sent me to um a doctor another doctor to pick up my um preformed uh protein bars and shakes and i went to my car and i cried because i knew the damn food that he gave me to eat wasn't going to work and i sat there and ate the whole box of the bars so what you know that was 2011. I had stuck my toe in and out of OA. I wasn't getting the message I needed. And, you know, maybe I was getting some seeds planted for sure. But the thing for me is that I was on a trail. I was on a mission to find the truth, to find what I needed. You know, and I, I got caught by thinking it was my brain chemistry. And to some extent it is. But I had no idea that this God I carried around with me in my heart, that I believed in, that I had praised since I was a child, could become my best friend, that I could have a psychic change, that I could have a psychic shift. And, you know, I have tasted recovery. I'm in recovery now, but I had tasted it, and then I went into a series of relapses, and I lost my psychic change. Why? Because I didn't keep doing the program like I should. I was doing parts of it, but I wasn't cleaning house with my own stuff. I didn't realize how much stuff down in my soul needs to be changed and how do we do that? By continuing to work this program. You know, that's, you know, I was talking to a fellow the other day. We have an outline. I have been to so many spiritual centers and circles and done all kinds of stuff. And um, never has this been outlined so simply. It's simply outlined. Some of it's not easy because my, my ego is in the way, my pride's in the way. Uh, but it's, it's actually, if you just do it, it happens. And you just keep walking it, and it happens. Thank you. I'll pass with just this. If you're out there, start taking the steps, because you might not have a psychic change now, but you're going to begin to have a little by little by little, and soon you'll be standing in the sunlight of the Spirit. God bless everyone. I pass. Thank you. Christina J. and Russ M., you're up, followed by Kelly S. Good morning, uh, Lisa. Good morning, Family, Russ, I'm recover compulsive overeater, and uh, 
So many times in my life, you know, I did like everybody. And, and by the way, these shares are fire emoji time story. Um, uh, I'm in the doctor's office. Yo, homie, I, you, you got to help me out, bro. Come on, man. You know, I don't know what to do. And like maybe at like 10 years old, that started many, many times for 40 years. And uh, pills, I, I, you know, the whole deal, what everybody dealt with. Until actually uh, seven years ago today, God uh, struck me abstinent because I was tired. I was sick. I was, I was, I was dying. I was dying. And I cried out. I was on my knees in front of my refrigerator. I said, Lord, you got to help me, man. And uh, that was two days after my first meeting. And it's been a whirlwind since then. And I, I'm not saying this because I want to text or call or I want people to congratulate me. I'm saying I was sick. I was dying. And I ain't over-dramatizing. There's people on this line that know me and saw it and were there with me. And I'm saying it that it can be done. You could be free. Uh, and and I'm, I'm like... I didn't. It wasn't Russ. It was people taking me by the hand, saying, "Look, you got to do it this way. Get in this book. Work these steps. Do the hard crap." And get it, through that, I became closer to God, and I'm living a life that I can never believe. With hardships, with persecutions, with things that you know, I'm still fighting with people. You know, I'm trying not to fight anyone or anybody, but it's still there. But I have a life and I'm free. There's a semblance of freedom through this program. So, look, I, I'm not the greatest example. I'm just saying it could be done. It could be done. Just work the steps. You need my help, I'm here. I'm under, in the directory, man. You can call me, text me. I'll do whatever I can. I owe. I owe because of, because of the freedom that I have today. And maybe guess what? In a half an hour, I might not have that freedom. So I take none of it for granted, and this meeting in particular, the big book, and my fellows brought me to God and gave me, got me some freedom. So love you. You have a nice day. Thanks for everything. Thank you, Russ M., and, and happy OA birthday. Uh, Kelly S., you're up. Please share with us. Good morning, guys. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so piggybacking on everybody, you know, I have everything to live for. I must stop, but I can't, you know, I've been struggling with this disease my whole life. And I remember when I was about 25 years old, I finally had everything that I just knew would make me happy and get me to stop eating. Right. I had bought a house. I had got married. I had a car. I had a career that I loved and I had my first child. Um, couldn't stop eating. Wasn't happy. Right. Fast forward 30 something years later, in recovery, not in recovery, I mean in program, right, and um, still struggling, right, new marriage, better marriage, bigger house, better house, better career, more money, children, grandchildren, had everything I ever wanted and still relapsed, right, and it's back on this pa the page before where it talks about reliance upon human things that started to fail, no doctor, no people, all those things, you know, I had these kids, these grandkids, I don't know about you guys, but it's like for the first time in my life, I'm like, oh my God, I would die for my children and grandchildren. 
I would kill for my children and grandchildren, but I could not stop eating for my kids or my grandkids. When I had kids, I was binging and purging with toddlers, knocking on the door, trying to come in, right? With my last relapse, I'm sitting with grandchildren on my lap, them wanting to read stories. Nana, read me a story. All I wanted them to do is get the F away from me because all I could do was think about food. It was freaking awful, right? Because I kept thinking all these things, all these people, all this stuff that would make me happy. Well, I didn't understand, right? I didn't understand I was power. I kept thinking, if I just did this, if I did that, if I got this, if I got that. But the true source, the true source of my happiness is connection with God. I spent years in these rooms thinking if I could just lose weight, if I could just get my eating under control, if I could just arrive, right? And I was so, so the whole idea of the power, you know, so I'm working these steps, this book, these steps, or so that I can get this connection because all these things are going to fail me. Nothing is going to give me that happiness, that freedom that you guys are hearing on the line until I work these steps and I get this connection with power because that's what I was lacking. It wasn't stuff. It wasn't people. It wasn't, it wasn't a good food plan. It wasn't all the meetings. It wasn't fellowship. But all those things are wonderful and they help me. But the true thing is going to be this connection with power. And until I understood that, which took me a long time, so hopefully you'll hear that today on this message that, you know, we're working these steps. We're putting the food down first and foremost, right? That's uncomfortable. Then I'm going to work these steps, and that's uncomfortable. But I've got to get this connection with God. I've got to find this power. Everything I've been seeking since I was a young kid is right here. In this book is the map, the map to the treasure, which is my higher power. And it took me until I was in my 50s to understand that. So grateful today that I finally understand this message, message of depth and weight. And hope today that you guys hear that too and, and all these shares. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly S. And we are in the doctor's opinion on page XXIX, the second paragraph that begins, men have cried out to me and ends, you must help me. Who else would like to share on what was read? Christine Christy M. J. Um, somebody Christine J. Christine D. I got Christine B. I have Anita J, Christine B, and Charlotte. Vasa R. Somebody R. Vasa O. I got Vasa. Kanayeta R. Okay, you may have to spell that for me. Kanayeta R. And and there was somebody else. A C H A N A Y E T T A. The C is Thank you. Karen. Gotcha. Karen. Karen? Yeah. Oh, Karen P. Yep, from Pennsylvania. Okay. So uh, let me tell you who I have Anita J, Christine B, Charlotte C, Basta O, Henietta R, Karen P. Anybody else? Chris All right, M. we'll go. Oh, Chris M. Yeah, thank you. Terrific. Okay, Anita J. You're up, followed by Christine B. Thank you. Thank. You. Uh, this is Anita J. Recovered in Massachusetts. Um, I've been in a long time, and when I but that, that doesn't mean anything because it took me years to finally listen to the advice and not, not um, 
not expect a doctor or something from the outside to fix me. Uh, I have had that talk with the doctor, and the thing was, it, it progressed. Doctor, you must help me. So there was a little, um, I think that somebody unmuted, but um, uh, and they gave me these little pills, and they worked for a while, and then they didn't. Doctor, you must help me. I ended up with, because I was pregnant and they didn't want me gaining so much weight, these things called black beauties. And you know, when my son was born, he was doing push-ups in the bassinet. Because at that time, they didn't know that what the mother ate passed right through to the baby. And that kid comes out addicted to black beauties. Uh, that guilt went for a long time, you know. Um, so I know, and it didn't work anyway. And the thing was, after I had my son, I asked for a refill. And he said, oh, no, those are very dangerous. You can't, we can't give it to you anymore. So I was at a dead end. I found a way a long time ago, but I could never give God all of me. You know, nobody else ever wanted all of me, and here is a power that wants it. All I had to do is reach out and ask. Well, thank you, God, that I finally did. And that despair and all of that has gone. Doesn't matter now how long it took, because God did help me. He helped me in a way that no doctor, no outside source could have ever helped me. And I am very, very grateful that I passed. Thank you, Anita J. Christine B., you're up, followed by Charlotte C. Christine uh, B., uh, compulsive overeater. Um, I... I remember wishing when I first found a, uh, when I first found OA or before I found OA, I was so desperately wanting to um, believe that there was something else wrong with me besides just being a compulsive uh, overeater. Um, I truly, truly believed in my heart at that time that there was an, another explanation and I was not willing to accept that um, it was a power problem. I was just so, I was praying that there was just something else wrong with me to explain why I ate the way I ate. And um, I'm redoing the steps um, as of recent, and I was reading the doctor's opinion yesterday, and just literally the first line, to, may, to, who, to whom it may concern, and that just spoke to me so much. Um, because I, I have got to a point to that where I have to open this book and read those lines and to whom it may concern, and that is me. And um, I'm so grateful for this program and that I'm happy to be a part of it. On some days, I want to throw myself a pity party, but at the end of the day, I'm so grateful, and um, I'm glad to be here in our past. Thank you, Christine D. And Charlotte C., you're up, followed by Vasa O. 
uh, Charlotte T. is in Tom oh, from Nashville. Yep. Go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I'm a little uh, nervous to share on this, but my thoughts were, um, you know, <laughs> how how people have always told me in, in my time in program, oh, you really work a program. You really work a program. Charlotte, Charlotte really works the steps. You know, Charlotte does this. And I'm not saying it in a braggy way. I just realized that I was working so hard at it. I, I worked with sponsors. I worked with sponsees. Um, and um, still could not get abstinent. Um, I did manage to lose um I lost 85 pounds and I've kept it off, but it's that imperfect abstinence with slips and binges and uh, slipping around that have made me suffer so much. Um, My very first sponsor had me underline every must in the book. And in this one little reading, there are two, and it just shows you the desperation and I hear it in, in the emotion in your voices as you're sharing the desperation uh, that one has to uh, end this horrible cycle. Um, what I have experienced is that God has been so gracious in gifting me with a life more vital than I could have imagined from coming from bankruptcy to bartering for a place to live with my time and my talents to uh, owning my own home and being in a thriving uh, creative field, which is unusual. It's very, very difficult to make a living from uh, a, uh, in a creative field. A lot of you people who are in the arts will know. And my sponsor has been saying, you already did the steps. You already did that. You did this. You did that. You did all my doing, doing, doing. And I am working so much more now on my relationship with God. Not that I wasn't before. There's just a slight shift where I'm less dependent on working those steps, just work those steps, and a little more dependent on my higher power and he was uh, my my higher power has been gracious enough to show me what he can do already, and if I could just um, allow myself for him to take this part of my life too, and I wish that for all of us. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Charlotte T. And Vasa O, you're up, followed by Hanietta R. Thank you. Can I be heard? You can. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive Ovida, calling from Port Charlotte, Florida, with snowbirds. Now we go from Massachusetts to Florida. But anyways, this is where I was when I came to, the, to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. And I had been trying to deal with the food addiction for 25 years of my life which I didn't even know was food addiction. I tried to, I tried all kinds of diets to put it down, weight blotches, laxatives. I even used bulimia, throwing up a few times. 
and uh, so I know when they're talking about, about bulimia and also running and exercising, but I was too embarrassed to, to admit I, was, I stuck my fingers down my throat during my lifetime, and, and people, you know, for me to admit would have been too embarrassing, but I know what bulimia is today. It, it form, it's, it's in different ways we can use bulimia. So, and I used, uh, I tried, I tried everything. It, this is really embarrassing. I had the gift of desperation. By then, I remember saying, somebody gave me a pill filled up with poop. I probably would have taken it, taken it just, just to cure me, to, to just from this horrible addiction that I was dying gradually. And then I learned it's not just physical, it's emotional and spiritual. And that's what kept me staying in the program, the, the emotional and the, and the spiritual part. And I remember when I was pregnant with my children, three childbirths, and I gave myself even more permission than I was eating for two, you know. And I gained and gained and gained. And this is when my doctor said, you know, you've got to stop, you know. Heart disease runs in your family, and this is dangerous. You're hurting yourself. But I didn't know. I couldn't. How could I? I didn't understand the allergy of the body. Reading the doctor's opinion, it was such a gift. My sponsor gave me this program, she gave me the big book, and she said, it's up to you. Take it or leave it. I took it. I didn't want to die. So I am so grateful, and this is my first, a meeting. The Vision for You is my favorite meeting. I had the big book. I still have my big book, but I had it maybe like once a week, you know, going through the big book. And coming here, going from one paragraph to another paragraph, what's a miracle? This program works. And I did come for the physical. I really did. But I stayed in for the emotional and spiritual part. And, yes, I was ready and willing to surrender to God. I, God, I can't do this. Please help me. And that's what did it, you know. I needed to find a power greater, greater than myself because using my power, my will, not with just the food and everything, I started using the higher power. But it started Time. working with the food addiction. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Hanietta R., followed by Karen P. Yes, thank you. This is Hanietta R. from Texas. Um, thank you for your service. I really so much appreciate you. And everybody shares. Um, you know, um, I can't do it anymore. Please help me, you know, take away this difficulty. You know, I been in the I had been in the program for forty two years and then for three years, almost now to the day, three years ago I just decided that I was looking for I was going to go research some other ways to to lose weight and keep it off. And um and so uh when I just came back um, I, I, my friend told, gave me a phone number of meetings that I could listen to taped because I kept saying, well, I can't go to this. I can't go to that. It's too much. I don't have that time there, and I don't have that time. So uh, she gave me this number, and, of course, it was Vision. I came in, Vision for You. And I had, I had already had that number in my phone still 
Um, so anyway, I got on the meeting and I listened to the meeting and uh, I listened to a few meetings and like, you know, several days. And then I got on a live meeting and I heard the voice of who will be my sponsor, who would now is my sponsor. And I just, I knew that I had to have her for my sponsor. And I called her and uh, that was like almost two months ago now, two months minus three days. I called her and, um, and I asked her to be my sponsor. And she said she wasn't sure because somebody else also had asked her and she has to see if, if that other person still wants to do this program or not. And, uh, and to me, I know that my higher power had to make sure I was really wanting this program. And so he gave me those days to really look at it and say, do you really want to do this? And, um, and I just kept saying, yes, I, I, please help me, please help me. And, um, and I, we called, and I called, uh, called her back. I called on a Friday and I called her back on Monday. And during that time, I did not go out and binge and eat everything I thought I would never eat again. But I was pretty much abstinent and, uh, and I was so grateful. And it, it was pretty amazing. And then when I got her back and what I was saying to her was, please, please help me in a very soft way just I said I really hope that you can be my sponsor I really want you to be my sponsor she said if you can find somebody else just in case I said I don't want anybody else I want you to be my sponsor and um and then Monday I called her back and she said yes you can be my sponsor and then she went on to tell me you have to call me for an hour every day and you have to thank you and I still love her (laughs) Thanks for letting me share, Pat. Thank you, Henrietta. Um, R. Karen P., you're up, followed by Chris M. Good morning, everyone. This is Karen P. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Pennsylvania. Um, this uh, paragraph, two things for me, the frothy emotional appeal. No one came to me with a frothy emotional appeal out loud, Um, but there was this look in people's eyes that conveyed the message of of the frothy emotional appeal, like, you've got to stop this, you know, like, like, oh, my gosh, look what you're doing. Oh, my gosh, you, you look horrible. Oh, my gosh, you gained so much weight. People would look at me that way, but no one would say, You've got to say it out loud. Um, And I also tried to froth the emotional appeal with myself. you got to get it together, girl. you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You can't keep going like this. You're going to kill yourself. You're going to die. None of it worked. None of it worked. None of it worked. My problem was I didn't have the power, as it says here. The reason I did, the power was there but I wasn't accessing the power. The reason being what I didn't find out until I went through the 12 steps uh, here in this big book. The reason was that I was filled with self, 
self, all sorts of self that it talks about in the third step in this book. Um, And then also, too, I heard in a meeting something that struck me that was like, wow, that's it. Um, It talks about it uh, on the fourth step when it talks about fear on page 68 um, that I wasn't relying on infinite God. I was relying on my finite self. The thing about it, I was raised in organized religion. I believed in God. I had religion, all of that sort of thing, but I wasn't relying on God. I believed in God, but I wasn't relying on God. I was relying on myself. I was relying on myself, and my uh, finite self failed every single time. And it wasn't until um, I came to rely on infinite God that this merciless obsession was removed. I am so grateful. And it wasn't until I came to a vision, and I came a little close to 90 days ago, had heard about vision, was in vision around the room in the 80s, but I was so self-reliant um, that I didn't I didn't rely on God. So I'm so grateful to be here and to be recovered one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Karen P. And Chris M., please share with us. Yes, good morning. This is Chris M. I'm recovering in New York. And um, I just want to thank everyone this morning for their shares because what a rich meeting out of um, one, I think it was one sentence that was read or two sentences. Um, I've been in the program since 86 and I'm still trying to figure this out. Um, and, you know, I something was revealed to me just this past um, couple of months I had a a car issue and I just like really tried to stay calm about it. I was far from home and I had some people I could call and I realized I do not like to ask for help. It is really, really hard for me. Even a neighbor, one time he's like, oh, you want me to help you take your groceries? And I'm like, no, no, I got it. I got it. He's like, boy, he's like, you're really like independent. And he said it in a way that was like um, not flattering, and um, and it was funny. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. I'm just always kind of felt like I had to take care of myself, very self reliant, and um, realizing it it really is a um, reduction of my ego to realize I need help, and. This has been my one of my battles that I've been fighting with myself in the over 35 years I've been in this program. I should be able to do this. You know, I'm oh, except for when I was pregnant, I've only been like maybe 25 or 30 pounds overweight. You know, this is what I say to myself. I was a restrictor early on after pregnancy. Thank God I didn't restrict as much. I mean, I didn't restrict during my pregnancies and I always gained weight. And it was difficult. Then it was like, okay, now I have to deal with being overweight. And um, so it's just been a journey for me. It's been baffling to me because I always felt I was a very spiritual person. 
But making that leap from self-reliance to reliance on a power greater than myself has surprisingly to me been the most difficult thing. And I really am grateful today that people are talking about this so clearly. I do have the desire. I do have um, willingness. I just keep forgetting that I don't have the power. And um, I'm, I'm glad to be made aware of that today. I, part of me wants to feel bad that I've missed this part for over 35 years. But like was shared before, you know what? It's, it's, the time is the time and it's okay. Um, I had to learn what I had to learn. Thank you. And um, I'm so happy to be in, in recovery and in today. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Chris M. And we have time for one more two-minute share. Anyone want to jump in? Anne-Marie Kay? Please go ahead, Anne-Marie. Good morning. Um, I w- I'm so glad I got to hear the last part of this, uh, this morning because this, uh, this paragraph is so important. And pretty much I'm going to piggyback on how many years it took me to understand what step three meant. And the fact that I had to recreate my life. Every time I heard the word change, I was out the door. And I was in program in the 80s as well, and I just didn't get it. And I have to say that it's okay. That's okay. My higher power said, you know, I know you like to do research, Anne-Marie. Go ahead. See how that works for you. And today I can hear that word throughout the big book, change, and not go, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. Well, I'll do that, but no, I ain't doing that. Thank God for step three, and then thank God for step six and seven. And I know we're not there right now. But regardless, it has to do with believing in a power greater than myself. And I ain't it. And that's the hard part. Thank you to all you wonderful people out there that I get to listen to and remember. I just got to do it one day at a time. And I am recovered, but only for these 24 hours because that's how sick I am and how quickly I forget that I'm not in charge. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day, unless you made other plans. Thank you, Anne-Marie Kay, and thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, is 21,044. That's 21044. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Darlene H., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only until keep you until then. Good morning, everybody. This is Darlene H., recovered in Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you would 
understand God, admit your faults to him and to your fellows, clear away the wreckage of your past, give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, then you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you 